So we're going to start a new series today, and first Tom is going to read to us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit and seed in it, according to all their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruits with seed in it with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let, and let there be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And then there was evening, and then there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the waters teem, and that moves around in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and everything, every tree that has fruit with seed in it. There will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And then there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Well, today we're starting a new uh, series called Beginnings. And as the title suggests, we want to look at some of the oldest and most ancient truths from the very first book of the Bible. The book that Tom has just read to us from is called Genesis, and the hint of page one is that it is the first and the oldest book in the whole of the scripture. Uh, In Jewish culture, the book of Genesis was sometimes simply just referred to as the book of beginnings. It's the book that talks about where many things begin. And Genesis itself, if you read it, is a collection of stories. Uh, It's one big story with many individual stories weaved together. And it's not so much ideas or propositions and things that we might find in other parts of the Bible, but more the narratives of people's lives and the descriptions of things that happened. The text of Genesis is incredibly simple, but but it's also poetically very rich. It's great literature to read, and it it reads really well. It's the kind of thing you almost want to listen to. It's like, you know, going to the theatre or Shakespeare or some epic words at the beginning of your favourite play. That's the kind of feel that you get from reading the book of Genesis. I kind of feel when I read it that it's, it's, you almost want to read it out loud because it's, it's as if it's written for proclamation for people to hear. And the audience of Genesis spans, therefore, millennia. Uh, Through thousands of years, uncounted generations have heard the words in this book. People of many cultures and diverse languages, people who are old and young, people who were rich and uh, maybe educated, people who may be poor, people who might have been slaves. Every kind of tribe and tongue and culture has read Genesis and drawn from it truth from God. And Genesis sets us off into an experience of a world that's shaped and moulded by God and filled by God. And it gives us a vocabulary for speaking about God in words of ancient truth. The truth of Genesis is written in the narrative of the lives of the people that we hear about. People who, like us, uh, struggled and persevered and failed and learnt and discovered and moved forward in their lives. People who had dealings with God that are recorded for us. And if you like, it's not just the first book of the Bible, but it's actually the foundational book of the Bible. And most, if not all, biblical truths are included in this book, at least in embryo in some cases. And the book is like a key that sort of unlocks the rest of the scripture. And so Genesis is about the beginnings, the starting of God's truth. And many of the stories and ideas that appear in this book uh, echo and repeat through the rest of Scripture. 
And in fact, as we've done other series and we've looked at books, for example, in our last series in Genesis, you find that you are referring back to Abraham and Moses and things that happened. And, you, and these maybe are just names, but actually these things have their beginning. These people are first found in the book of Genesis. And they repeat through the rest of the scripture in the Psalms and the songs on the lips of the prophet from the mouths of Jesus and into the New Testament and the era of the church. So I'm going to get you to chat at your table. You've only got 60 seconds and I've got a question for you. So you're going to say hello to the person next to you. And then perhaps like me, there's something that you need to begin doing. Uh, There are lists of things that I haven't done. I have many such lists. I have lists of lists of things I have not done. Maybe there's a DIY project that you should be doing. There's a cupboard that you need to just get in there and tidy it out. Maybe there's a big project ahead of you or the person you're married to has got projects planned for you. Well, what is it? Okay. What better way to meet the person next to you than to spend 60 seconds telling them what that is? So off you go. What do you need to begin? You've only got 60 seconds. Okay, well done. I'm sure you've discovered something interesting about the person next to you. Well, as we go into this story that Tom has read to us, let me ask you a question. Have you ever made something? I'm sure you have. Some people make things all the time. Some, not so much, but, but I'm sure every one of us has had that feeling of making something. Maybe you've made some clothing, or you've made a fine meal, or you've made a story you've written it, or you've created a a painting, something that's the fruit of your craftsmanship. Maybe it's not going to be world-class, but it's it's what you produced. Uh, My wonderful wife makes dresses. We can't stop her. She's like, forever, every day I come home, she's just like, oh, I've made another dress. She's got the dress making, everyone's better, each one's better, and it's got a, I don't understand it. I just, my job is just to say how beautiful they are, and... How beautiful she makes them look. Uh, My daughters write stories. Hannah's got notebooks full of stories that she's written. My son Philip builds virtual worlds inside his computer. He's got several mansions that belong to him that he's built inside a computer somewhere in our house. They're great. You can see them if you want. I'll send you a picture. Uh, I, I can remember... Uh, my first experiences at school when we, uh, I signed up for metalwork and I remember the, the joy I felt in being taught how to make something and taking something from uh, an idea, a drawing on paper and, and having some capacity to then, with my hands, manufacture and make it and then at the end of it I built this thing, it was a, I think it was a little vice and it you, you know, you turn the handle and it grips, and it, it's absolutely brilliant. I think I've got it somewhere, somewhere. It's in the loft or something. Uh, uh, but, and it, maybe, you know, I wouldn't be able to sell it or something, but when I look at it, I'm immensely proud because I made it. It was something that I made. As we open the first book of the Bible, we encounter a creator God who makes. Act 1, scene 1, Genesis, the first words of the Bible, and boom, God is there in the beginning making. What an entrance. I mean, as a character introduced in the story of who he is, what a way to make his entrance into our lives as we begin reading the story of God. There he is. In fact, in the original text, we just have the the three words. In 
And there's no the. In the beginning, God. Just three words in the original text that present to us the first person in this story that we are engaged with. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, darkness over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God says, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And we talked about theology. Even even within those first two and a half verses, we have the theology of the Trinity. We have God the Father, Creator. We have the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. The word is brooding like a mother hen would brood over eggs that she'd laid. The Spirit of God brooding over unformed creation. And then we have the Word of God, a name in the New Testament we pick up for Jesus, the Logos. Jesus is the Word of God. So we have God the Creator, the the Spirit-making and the Son sent from the mouth of God, the Word of God, into creation, the, tri- the, the Trinity. And we notice that this is not the beginning of God. God's already there. We might be frustrated to think, hang on, what about the beginnings of God? God, tell us your story. How did you begin? Where did you come from? And frustratingly, that truth is not given to us. The story that we have begins with God there making the entire existence within which we are part. So this is the beginning of our story. This is our story and our identity. And God makes this creation by speaking it into existence. Picture the musician who pulls the bunny out of the hat. Have you ever seen that? I'm sure you've seen it on television. And uh, so he's all dressed up, takes his hat off, and he reaches in, da-da, and there is the bunny. By the way, the bunny is in his sleeve, okay? Sorry if that's, you know, or maybe it was in the hat already, I don't know. Or it's a dehydrated bunny, and he, maybe a bunny with springs, it pops up. Well, I don't know how he does it, but I think it's in his sleeve. Our God brings creation into existence without any rabbits up his sleeve, and without any hat. Nothing is there, and God simply speaks his word, and creation comes into existence. And the story that we just had read to us, it unfolds in order with days and, uh, passing, with waters and the sky and the grounds and plants and animals and people, and then ending on the seventh day with God resting and purveying what he has created and made. Well, I'm sure you will know, and even, even amongst the tables where we have, and we're going to chat in a minute, um, people will take different views about what, what it means to take that story on board. Different perspectives. And through history, different ones have been in, in fashion and, and popularity. Uh, I've just picked, I mean, I, I did some research and I found some books that said there are about 30 or so, and some books said 17 main views. So I, I've, I just picked just three. And the first maybe is this, a literal six-day creation. You're going to chat in a minute so you can nail your colours to the mast if you, if you subscribe to this. God made the world in six 24-hour days. I mean, after all, if we believe the Bible, if we believe what we've just read, then isn't that what it's saying to us? That God has made this world of ours in six days. 
And maybe if you're not sure about that, maybe you do sign up to the fact that if God is God, then he could do that. If God is God, he's not like, oh dear, I'm afraid it would take me at least 10 days. Or, you know, like the building site you've seen where they'll say, it'll all be finished in two weeks. And you know, yeah, well that means a, a year, doesn't it? You know, and then it will be broken and you'll have to come back and fix it. God, if God is God, then he could make the world in, in one day or one minute or in no seconds at all. So is it impossible to believe that God made the world in six days? The, the second main view we might have is, I've called it six ages. There you've got it in fuzzy felt. Some wonderful child on the internet has made that for us. Because the word day has to be translated and it's actually not properly used anywhere else in the rest of the book of Genesis. So it could mean ages, six ages. There were six spans and periods of time in which God did the creation. And maybe these were short or maybe they were long. Maybe they spanned thousands or millions of years or maybe it was some shorter period. We don't know. But maybe, the, maybe that's what it's saying to us. Maybe you've seen programmes on the television where they sort of compress um, recorded history into 24 hours and then they say, you know, when we get to 11 o'clock then it's this and then we get to 11.55 we get this and when we get to this time. Sometimes when we're conveying a big complicated idea it's helpful to have a, a shorthand a way of compressing it into something that we can get our head round or maybe it's like one of those infographics that sort of lays it out in steps and you know this is a simplification of a complex process or a pie chart where you think you know it doesn't it doesn't fully represent everything but it conveys the essential idea you may have noticed as well that, that the account um, begins with a, a null earth. It begins with an, an earth that's there, ready for life to spring up upon it. I know uh, one friend of mine who is a paleontologist in his spare time. Yes, they do actually exist. I've got a friend who's a paleontologist in his spare time. And that, that's what he says, actually, the, the creation story begins with an earth ready to discover human life. And he says it's told as if Moses, the person writing the book of Genesis, was sort of had like a video or a presentation shown to him where he sh he's shown the earth as it has no life on it and then life emerges in, in, and he sees this. Maybe he was shown it over a period of six days or maybe that's how he wrote, he wrote it up in order to convey the truth to other people. And the third, third view is for the sake of a title I've called Intelligent Design. Um, I think uh, currently those who use that label um, tend to be a little bit odd, actually. Um, but I think it's a helpful label. The idea of intelligent design simply says this. As you read science and understand what science says about processes, about how the world came into existence, then actually there is a God behind that truth, bringing those things, steering it, navigating it, directing it towards a path or an outcome. Evolution talks about the incremental steps of small random changes, that some, a more favourable random step, then that, that becomes a pathway that develops. And we can kind of get our head around that. It makes, 
it makes sense, it's very plausible, and that over millions of years that's, that would progress and develop. But if you step back from it, maybe it sounds a bit like a tornado in a junkyard assembling a jumbo jet. That there's a sense in which there's great purpose in the final product, in the, the world in which we are in, speaks to us about the carefulness of God. In philosophy, it's sometimes referred to as the teleological argument for God. It, it just goes simply like this. You're walking down a beach when there's nobody there, but you find a watch, an old-fashioned mechanical watch, and you open the back and you, you don't even need to know anything about watches, but you see, wow, this is, this is crafted. This is put together for purpose. Maybe you don't even know what it does, but you can just see this has a purpose. You look at them, you open the back and you see the mechanism and you think, whoever put this together... Under, you know, had intelligence and understanding and even though you can't see the person who made the watch because you hold it in your hands and you can see it you know that that person must exist that's, that's the argument that goes behind um, this view so enough from me I'm going to give you two or three minutes to chat at your table and the question is this what do you think of the Genesis story of creation? Okay, good conversations. Right now is why each of you need to be in a cell group so you can continue the conversation during the week. I want to sum this up. It's impossible to do it because you may have a particular view, someone else has a view, uh, I have a view. Uh, let me tell you what my take is on the story of Genesis. It tells us about our beginnings. It's placed purposefully at the very beginning of the Bible. And to understand our story, my story and your story with God, it begins with created world. You know, we have this danger that we spiritualise our faith. Faith is something spiritual. And by that we mean something sort of floaty and mysterious. It's a, you know, it's a feeling I have or... Uh, it's, um, it's, it's an idea, it's, it's abstract, it's academic, it's in words written in the book. And I think all those things are true, but here's an important thing. God made the world. Something of God is, 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 is speaking to us from the world. How do you feel when you climb the top of a big hill or you're, you're out on a sunny day and the weather's suddenly bright or you're running through the woods or you're skiing down the mountain or you're lying on a beach. I want to suggest to you that that, that that feeling that you feel deep inside you, that satisfaction feel is something about a connection with the creator God because God made the sunny day and the mountaintop and the woods and he made you to be part of that creation. Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, and night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. God is in this world that he has made, and it's part of, not all, but part of his revelation of himself to us. And of course this account of creation is frustrating to us because it doesn't necessarily tell us everything we want to know. I'd like pictures and diagrams. I'd like uh, photographs on Facebook. I'd like an interview with a reliable 
witness. I'd like some uh, uh, authorised quotes. I'd like to speak to the expert physicist who confirms what the thing is saying. I would like so much more to be told to me than God has provided in this short story. But the story is written in a style that actually is designed to transcend what I want.